0: Welcome
1: to the Icons of Real Estate. I'm Tim Calloway. We have a very special guest for you today from the great city of Denver, Colorado, Jacob Vanderslice. Jacob is a Denver-based real estate investment firm. Works with a uh, real estate investment firm focusing on the acquisition and management of self-storage facilities. Now, Jacob, I'm really excited to have you on the show today because you've got some good stuff about how we can. Uh, use our retirement which was pretty exciting use our retirement to invest in self- storage facilities.
0: how are you Jacob? I'm doing great good to, good to be here this morning Tim and thanks for having us on uh, but before wow. we start recording we were comparing notes on Tim's four boys and my two boys so we got a, we got a <laughs> lot of boys going on in this room right now
1: we get we got a basketball team plus one so we do <laughs>
0: uh,
1: so tell me uh interesting topic you know uh, what you guys do I'm fascinated by it for sure tell me how you got started.
0: Yeah, we uh, we've been investing in real estate full time now since 2006, and uh, I had always been fascinated with real estate. I, I like the fact it's a it's a hard asset. You can go out and touch and feel it. You can make it better. You can improve it. Um, and I was looking at it for a long time. And uh, I was skiing in the mid 2000s with um, a good friendly uh, family friend of ours, and we're on the ski lift. And at the time, he's got this, you know, kind of. Janky Windows mobile phone with a stylus, you know, those things back in the day. Right. And, um, and he keeps kind of getting off and on his phone. And I was like, What are you, you know, what are you doing, John? He's like, Well, I just, I just closed a deal today. Um, and I was like, That's pretty cool. You're on the ski lift. Uh, right. you know, you're, the snow's falling. You're on your phone. Um, and I was like, How do you, how do you do it? Uh, and he's like, Well, I'll walk you through it. Let's get together sometime. So wow. they gave me a bunch of pointers on kind of what to think about and, and we started doing, um, small amounts of, uh, fix and flips. Uh, I was in the fire service at the time. So I had a lot of time on my hands. You only work 10 days a month. Um, and, uh, we got into the business, uh, at the worst possible time, uh, started in 2006 and it was really a, a baptism by fire sure. and I would do it again though, cause we learned so much and I got busy doing these deals and I, I quit my fire job and, and, uh, I've been unemployed in real estate ever since. So for a long time, we focused in the residential space, the buy, fix, and sell, the buy, fix, and rent space. Uh, we did deals all over the country, obviously focused in our backyard, uh, up and down the Colorado front range, but deals in Vegas, Phoenix, Central Valley, of California, nice. even did some in Florida, uh, some in the Northeast, the Midwest. Um, so that was our main line of business for a long time. And uh, back in 13 and 14, um, we got into the commercial space. Um, we started doing some adaptive reuse retail projects around Denver, which is basically converting uh old brick warehouses into multi tenant experience based retail right. concepts like breweries and restaurants, coffee, stuff like that. Um, and those projects were a lot of fun. Those are probably some of the most fun projects we've ever done because you're taking this busted tire building right uh, that's 100 years old and you're potentially adding another 100 years of life to it and reactivating it. Um, and then we got into the self-storage space in 2015, and we looked at it for a while. We liked the fact that it's historically downside protected. We like the scalability, uh, the durable income streams. So we started off uh, kind of in a big way with a, a few development projects here in Denver, uh, got those completed, and then we went into the Midwest and Milwaukee and um, just kind of kept going. And over time, uh, self-storage has become our, our main line of business. Nice.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I try to think of the caveat sometimes, uh, you know, you know, OK, so when choosing a home, you know, there's these tenants you kind of go by when, when deciding to flip a home. But but storage facilities, you know, what really goes into to, you know, location or what, what goes into finding the right facility to invest in?
0: Yeah, it, it depends on whether you're buying an existing facility and it depends on whether you're you're developing uh, a new project. But uh, generally, the first thing we look at are supply ratios. So how many square feet per capita are in this given submarket and how how much additional supply could this submarket sustain before it becomes oversupplied and rents start to drop? Um, And beyond that, we look at uh, rental rates. Are we buying a facility that's got uh, below market in place rents? Maybe it's inefficiently managed. Um, But outside of self-storage, just standard real estate fundamentals. We like to see density. Uh, We like to be in markets with positive population growth, uh, good demographics, low unemployment. Um, So beyond supply ratios and analyzing rents and uh, everything else is just kind of real estate nuts and bolts.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Some things don't change, right? I mean, ultimately when you get down to it, real estate is real estate and it gives you some sort of rate of return and that's what you're looking for. So.
0: Yeah. If you want to buy a rental property, do you want to buy that rental property in a very small town and right. in uh, the middle of a cornfield? Uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, if right. you do, you have a really good reason for it. And the same goes for storage. Yeah. 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 Good, good point. Good point. So, you know, tell me about, um, you you would,
1: I know you. there's a way to invest in self-storage using your IRA. Uh, and I've heard other ideas about investing IRA monies, uh, you know, other than just mutual funds and, and uh, things like that. So how, how can you use your IRA to invest in uh, self-storage units?
0: Yeah, I mean, e- even beyond self-storage, um, I think self-directed IRA investing is a great way to passively invest in real estate syndications and funds. Um, there's a few things to think about if you're considering investing in something with your IRA, Um, some disadvantages and advantages. Uh, The main disadvantages of investing with an IRA is if the, if the vehicle is using leverage at the deal level, Mm -hmm. um, you could be subject to something called unrelated debt financed income, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically means you have to pay taxes on um, the gains you might realize as a percentage of the leverage amount. Um, But, if you analyze the returns by using debt responsibly in a given deal versus not using debt, your returns actually substantially higher than it would be if the deal was unleveraged, okay. even considering those potential tax implications. Um, and the other disadvantage, too, is um, if you have other passive gains in your portfolio in a given tax year, you're not able to use passive losses through an IRA to offset those passive gains. Okay. Um, but the advantages to it are. Uh, number one, when there's a liquidity event at some point, um, beyond that nominal impact from UDFI, you're not paying capital gains and you're not paying depreciation recapture. So it's a vehicle that's great if, um, if you have more of a growth mindset, I think, um, versus, uh, you need immediate income and you need immediate depreciation because, uh, IRAs don't want you to pass the depreciation uh, because because of the way they're set up. But yeah, they're, they're good vehicles. I would say probably, um, in our different funds and syndications, uh, probably 15 to 20% of our investors uh, invest through self-directed IRAs and, and foreign k gotcha. Oh, that's fantastic. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good number. Yeah. yeah. it's Especially if you're early in your career and you invest in a deal that's got a longer kind of hold period, um, you can almost look at an IRA as kind of house money, right? You yeah. can't touch it right now. Right. Um, maybe it's a little dangerous to buy the stock market now. If you listen to Jamie Dimon, right? Another 20% we have to go before we kind of bottom out. Who, who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a good option to invest in longer term deals with an upside potential. Perfect.
1: Well, Hey, I, I was noticing, uh, I can't help, but think, um, are, are you competing directly? And the reason I asked this is I started my career in 1992 at Bear Stearns, uh, and I was packaging real estate investment trust. Okay. And- and selling them. So is this a, a direct com- uh, competitor to REITs or is, is it alternative to REITs or how, how do you look at the the two products side-by-side?
0: Side? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, there are some similarities and there's some big differences. So we're a, we're a 506C fund, okay. um, which means that we're not, uh, we're not traded on any kind of platform. So you can't sell your shares, you know, the next quarter or the next month, if you want to. Um, REITs historically though, they've done fairly well the last few years, but um, depending on the asset class, historically their returns have been um, substantially inferior to private vehicles, Sure. Uh, they're pretty late. fees. Um, REITs, the main advantage you have in investing in a REIT strategy is liquidity. So if it's a publicly traded REIT, it's the same thing as buying like stock in Amazon. You could sell it the next day get a wire transfer to your Schwab account. Right. If you're investing in private syndications and funds, generally you don't have the liquidity component that you would in a publicly traded REIT. So just kind of depends on what you're after. But I think arguably, and uh, sometimes not even arguably, I think the return profile on the private side has historically been higher than REITs. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Well, tell me, what are some of the, excuse me, what are some of the hurdles that you have to overcome on a regular basis? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about things, you know, uh, finding locations you know i mean are you you know is your scope far and wide um you know what what are some of the 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 hurdles that you have to overcome on a on a day-to-day basis
0: well let's let's talk about um we'll 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 tie this in with hurdles but uh let's talk about what's happening right now okay what we're seeing happen and and kind of what we see going into next year and and by the way all, all of our uh Forward-looking statements are always wrong, right? Right. Um, it never goes like you think <laughs> it just, will. Just, yeah, that's just history.
1: Yeah.
0: But th- this is what we see happening. So, uh, and I think you'll you'll agree to a degree. Um, the last couple years, we have seen an untenable uh, and frankly irrational increase in real estate asset values, uh, both from the single family perspective, multifamily, self storage, industrial, you name it. Um, it has been heavily inflated. Um, this run-up is uh, not is not sustainable, right? You can't see uh, like Boise, Idaho. I think I forgot right. over what period, but home price appreciation is like fifty percent plus there. Um, there are no fundamentals underneath that, right? Um, so what we're what we're concerned with right now um, is the rising interest rate environment. That's an obvious one, right? But I think what we've got sort of underlying that the real estate market right now um, not so much in residential but in commercial is we have got a a floating rate debt time bomb so i'll give you a few examples and you could transcend this from multifamily to self-storage whatever you want Um, a lot of operators bought value-add portfolios uh, say a year or two ago with floating rate debt Um, going in it was very cheap but it floated And they also bought those portfolios in many cases with what we believe to be untenable and unreasonable underwriting assumptions. So very aggressive revenue growth, uh, short-term low exit cap rates over a couple of years. So their intention likely was to buy these deals with floating rate debt and then refinance into term debt a few years later, say at a four or a four and a half. Well, term debt now is at seven. And floating rate debt product out there, gross dollar monthly payments or gross dollar debt service, depending on the loan that you're in, has more than doubled, uh, which is incredible. Um, I got a a multifamily buddy who's got a deal. um, He's a pretty big operator. He's got one loan for $100 million. And his gross dollar annual interest carry has increased by $2 million per year. That's a huge, huge number. And it's a big loan, obviously, but 2 million is still 2 million. So what's going to to happen? Well, um, these operators might still be hitting hitting their revenue growth assumptions and the the underlying fundamentals of the real estate they own might still be there, Um, but their debt is skyrocketed and they can't refinance. Um, Hmm. They can't refinance into term debt because uh, they're not going to cover from a lending perspective with those newer interest rates. Right. So uh, what are their options? Well, Really, their only options are they're going to have to sell if they can't refinance. And if someone is buying that deal and they're financing it also, say, a 7% rate, they can't pay what they could have paid six or 12 months ago to buy that deal. So I think things are going to happen. Uh, One is you're going to see a precipitous drop in transaction volume as sellers who don't have to sell kind of wait out the market. And the sellers that do have to sell because of a, a debt maturity issue, um, or a liquidity issue their pricing they're going to get is going to be much lower than they expect nice. so I think coming into 2023 we're going to be some big we're going to see some um some big discounts on asset values compared to what we've seen historically uh, but on the other hand we're also going to see a reduction in transaction volume um so you mentioned hurdles earlier and to kind of tie this back in. Um, one of the big hurdles that we're seeing right now in our business, uh, we've got mostly 85% plus fixed debt, so we don't have a big floating rate debt problem. Um, but the hurdles that we're seeing are just this, uh, if you if you go under contract on a deal and close 90 days later, your interest rate could be a point and a half higher. Uh, so, so what do you do? Does the deal still make sense? Do the cash flow still make sense? So we are being extraordinarily cautious. Uh, we've always been cautious, but I think the next few quarters um, are a time for extreme caution and uh, only buying deals or investing in deals that, uh, that you believe are very, right. very strong. Right.
1: I mean, not, not to get too, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. I try to stay away from it, but I can't help it in this election. Do you think tomorrow will have anything to do with any of that?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I I don't know what the outcome is going to be tomorrow, Sure. Um, but uh, people are obviously very disenfranchised with what's happening in the country. In, sure. Inflation, consumer debt, uh, people who want to buy homes uh, can't, number one, because interest rates have gone up so much. And number two, right. they can't afford it to begin with, just the gross dollar price that homes are available right. for. Um, so, Got a, you've got a country that's kind of in an uproar, and uh, and the polarization is historically high, right? People are sure. so far apart from each other compared to where they've been. Um, so no doubt what happens tomorrow is going to have an outcome on the next few quarters as far as this rate environment goes, consumer sentiment. Um, I don't have a strong prediction either way, but uh, we'll be here to watch it unfold. <laughs> Even yeah. if I
1: had a prediction, I probably wouldn't mention it here. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. Only downside there. Right. right. There's, downside. I, I can't
1: win either way. Not not, yep. with, the, not, not with this country in the, the 50-50 division, I I call it. Well, yep. how, are you, you look for investors on a regular basis, Jacob. Is, is that, I mean, are you always looking for investors? Or are you just invest solely for, you know, company or do you represent
0: also? Yeah, we're. Um, I'm a principal at Van West Partners. Um, so we, uh, I've got three other partners, and we raise private capital to invest in single asset syndications in self storage and, and funds. So we're we're okay. on our third self storage fund. Nice. Uh, we launched that in uh, April of this year. We have deployed. We will have deployed within about two weeks. Fifty-one million this year in total capitalization, okay. in that strategy. Um, And we're also doing single asset syndications within a development strategy and self-storage. So we'll pick high barrier entry locations, uh, sites that are tough to entitle, tough to replicate, and we'll capitalize those in just um, standalone single asset syndications. So we raise capital from um, a variety of folks. It kind of runs the gauntlet. Uh, A lot of active income professionals invest with us, family offices, uh, small institutions. Okay. just generally people who want real estate exposure to a given asset class and they don't have the time or the bandwidth to go out and do their own storage facility. And for the listeners, accredited only? Accredited only in our case. Yep, right. yep. Just want to make sure. Make you got time. it, you yep. got it.
1: If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, uh, how would they find you, Jacob?
0: Um, Folks can email me, jacob at vanwestpartners.com. Uh, they can go to our website, vanwestpartners.com or uh, hit me on LinkedIn, Jacob VanDerSlice.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Well, Jacob, we're kind of winding down here, uh, you know, finishing out the show. Uh, I always like to give our visitors an opportunity to kind of take us out and tell us what's on their, their heart, mind, and, uh, you know, what they're thinking right now. It doesn't have to be about investments, but it can be, uh, but it could be about your family or whatever you like.
0: All right. Well, um, I've got, uh, I've got two boys that are four and three, and uh as fun as they are, it, we're just kind of in survival mode every day. Uh yesterday was especially difficult, um, but they're a blast. Um, I, I kind of feel like sometimes I go on a vacation uh when I get to my desk <laughs> on Monday morning. Right. Uh, it's a little bit easier to sit here. Um as it relates to real estate investing though, um I, I've been I've been asked a few times kind of what's your general advice? Um there's a there's an opportunity and there's a deal on every market. Um, it's never it's never a good time to buy. It's never a bad time to buy. Right. You can't time the market. Um, and if you've kind of been sitting out there on the sidelines for a while waiting to see what's going to happen. I think the best thing you can do is take a risk, um, analyze the risk, understand the risk, protect against the downside. Um, but wealth generally is not created by just sitting on the sidelines. Uh, so my advice is always uh, whatever it may be, go out and do a deal.
1: Great advice, Jacob. Jacob Vanderslides, Van
0: West Partners. Thank you so much for
1: being on the program today. Uh, A a lot of good, great information that I think people need to hear. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again next three, six, nine months and kind of see where you're at then.
0: Sounds good, Tim. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it.
1: Have a fantastic week.
0: You too.